Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody, welcome or welcome back to the People First and Profit podcast. I like to think that all our episodes are exciting, but this week's guest takes exciting to a whole new level. I'm joined today by none other than Paige Mejia of Pyrotex. She is something of a celebrity in the DFW events hospitality industry. She's the founder of This Week in Networking series, and she legit gets to blow stuff up for a living. Thanks for being here this week, Paige. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, you and I go way back. We've known each other for the better part of a decade, if not more. We do. I started in the industry 12 years ago, and I probably met you shortly thereafter. I'm going to say that's true because you are a contributing member of each and every association, group, anything that has to do with the events and hospitality industry, you're involved in it. And so I'm certain that our paths cross somewhat immediately. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, whenever I started with the industry, I was a stay-at-home mom. So going to networking events was my, I get to go out and hang with adults versus kids time. So I took the, I took full advantage. That's why I saw you everywhere. Okay. I get it. That's awesome. Uh, Well, I'm going to read your bio so people know a little bit more about you. And then we're going to talk about all things fireworks, all things networking and all things reopen Texas. Yeah. Great. Okay. Here we go. Paige completed her board service for the DFW chapter of MPI this year as immediate past president, having also served on the board of directors for ISIS, Texacom, and CCEP in the past. As a 12-year veteran in the industry, she is very involved in a number of other industry organizations and recommends getting involved in the industry to get the most out of any membership. When she is not volunteering, she gets paid to blow things up as the chief marketing officer of Pyrotex, the oldest Texas-based professional pyrotechnic company. Married to her high school sweetheart, she juggles running a company and volunteering inside and outside of the event industry and being a mom to two teenagers. That's fact. fact. <laughs> <laughs> you should wear a red cape every day. <laughs> I try. The kids keep stealing it. Well, they like to dress up. So how old are the teenagers? They're 13 and 14. So, and actually I'm, my 14 year old will be 15 on Monday. So if we can get into an earlier appointment, we will be driving soon. If oh, not, no. it will be December and we get to go all the way to Rockwall to sign him up for his learner's permit. That's pretty exciting. You're firmly in the trenches of teenagehood at 14 and 15. Uh, and so boys or girls? Younger girl, older boy. Okay. And there are hormones lying wild at my house. I'll tell you. And it's the younger girl probably keeps a close eye on the older boy because girls mature faster, largely speaking. So Correct. You, you probably have a little policewoman on your hands helping keep an eye on things. Yes. Yes. So what I was worried about when they were little was the whole, you know, him dating her friends, her dating his friends. And we haven't gotten to that age yet. So close, I bet. knock on woods. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. <laughs> uh-huh. That license is going to make all the difference. So we're going to start by talking about your journey, which isn't necessarily a traditional one insofar as employee to business owner. So 
Tell us how you got involved in this crazy industry. So as I mentioned, I was a stay-at-home mom and I had actually made a video, a slideshow uh, for my daughter's first birthday and Mm -hmm. it had over 400 pictures. Apparently I take a lot of pictures of my children (laughs) and it took me about four months to put it together. And I just played it, you know, in the background of her party with just all of her pictures throughout the year. And I took so long and it was such an ordeal that I figured people might pay me for this. So Mm -hmm. I started Time Capsule Media and basically I made slideshows that people show at the reception, the rehearsal dinner of their baby pictures. I did funerals, baby's first birthday, that kind of thing. And it was definitely a side gig. I Mm -hmm. wasn't other than going to networking events, I wasn't pushing it too hard. It wasn't going to become a full-time gig in, in the traditional sense. So when my daughter started kindergarten, I went to look for a jobby job Mm -hmm. and I went back to corporate America because that's what I knew. And I went to one interview and they said, it's Monday through Friday, eight to five. You can't take off for anything. Well, at the time, the school that my children were in, they had plays at one o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, the kids get sick, whatever, you're going to have to take off. So I went to Facebook and I posted, is anyone looking for a salesperson or anything? I really love the industry. I'd really love to stay there, but also I want the flexibility to work from home. So Mm -hmm. if anyone has that, that would be a plus as well. And Randy Beckham, who was the original founder of Pyrotex, he was on the what was ISIS at the time, it's now ILEA, board as treasurer. And we knew of each other. We weren't friendly per se, but you know, he was a treasurer. So he sat at the door and took the money and that was kind of it. So he commented, you can work for me if you want to. So I went and met with him, talked to him about you know, what he was looking for. And he hadn't had a salesperson for a little while. So I became his sales girl at the time. That was my official title, sales girl. I was promoted (laughs) to sales princess and then sales queen uh, because you can't really go (laughs) very many places in a little bitty company like this. When he passed away in 2017, unfortunately, he actually willed the company to me, the general manager and the production manager and his wife. So we are all co-owners now of the company. For us that worked for the company full-time, It wasn't a big change. We signed Mm -hmm. a piece of paper that says that we were owners and we went back to our daily jobs. So been running it as we were running it before. We were running it as Randy wanted it ran and just continuing his legacy. I got to tell you, so let's go all the way back to Time Capsule Media as a visual artist and somebody who put together slideshows for wedding clients and other social clients and even some corporate clients. That is a very difficult undertaking, not only because it's painstaking to put the images together, but the image selection process, especially for a parent. So what an amazing opportunity for you to see that need, fill that need, take that away from the parent. I I wanted to say burden. I'm sure it's not a burden. It's I'm sure it's a great process, but it's very laborious and time intensive. And then the cool thing was when we would photograph social events, we did a few bar mitzvahs for our trusted friends and and people in the industry. Watching them watch the slideshow for the first time was also really cool. So in a lot of cases, they may not have seen it or had only seen it once. And so to see it in that environment, it really, they light up. So that's a really cool service. And then when you move on to the Facebook post that created a job for you, the relationship marketer in me just explodes with excitement because what a cool thing to say, well, this isn't the right fit. We all know finding our path to happiness into the life that you want to live and life by design is trial and error. Went on a couple interviews. You're like, nah, not me. Yeah. 
And then for him to will his company to the people that he knew served the company and the clients for all those years. I mean, I didn't know him well. I know you very well. And it, I get choked up. I get choked up to think that that was his passing. He gifted you something that you had worked for so long to, to create and to build with him. That's a pretty neat story. Yeah. And he had mentioned it a few times that, you know, well, I'll just will the company to y'all because he did have some health issues. And um, we knew that it was a possibility that he would pass early. We were just kind of like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. we'll we'll believe it when we see it (laughs) kind of thing. And we really didn't know for sure until he had passed and we got the will. And that's, it's amazing because he knew that you were in it for all the right reasons, right? To, to think that that was an eventuality is, is a great thing. I mean, that would be wonderful. But when you're in the trenches, just doing what you were doing, running the company, selling the company for the right reasons. It's something he must have known in his heart. Yes, definitely. And he had, he was actually supposed to retire the year that he passed away. Mm. And so he had talked about, you know, selling the company maybe to another firework company. And we told him that we would kill him ourselves if he did that. (laughs) And so really the plan essentially was for him to go into actual retirement. He had already been in his form of retirement for a few years, but he was going to go into actual retirement and we were just going to basically pay him, you know, a monthly salary and as a consultant and the founder and kind of go from there. So that was always the plan. We're just glad that it, that he did trust us enough to make that change. Yeah. Well, a life lived well, but a life lost too soon. I'm sorry that we lost him in 2017, but I'm glad you're carrying on his legacy with your business partners. You've talked about, and in your bio, we, at our core, we're relationship marketers, you and I, and you are exceptionally involved in a variety of different associations and event professional forums online and such. And you were the founder of This Week in Networking, which, can you remind me when you started it? Do you remember specifically around when you started it? been a few years. At least a few years, yeah. Crazy to think. But yes, it's been, and really with COVID now, I mean, it could have been 20 years ago for all I know. But <laughs> it, it feels was, like that, doesn't it? It was it was before Randy passed because he had, I remember him actually asking me one time, there, there wasn't a lot of appointments on the calendar for mm-hmm. me going out and, you know, talking to venues and talking to planners, but we were still selling and we were selling great. And we had, I had basically doubled his business whenever I started working for him. And so he asked, he said, you know, I don't really see you doing much. (laughs) He asked this in a (laughs) loving way. I don't really see you doing much, but we're getting all of these shows. What exactly are you doing? And I told him about this weekend networking. Obviously that's not the only thing that I was doing, but it it was a big contributor. And so probably four or five years ago that I started it at this point. And I remember it for at least that long. So let's say, let's say three or four years, right? 2016 ish. You created a weekly post that you would put out on social media. It typically had very funny meme graphic or some <laughs> sort of thing that had something to do with networking or going out or consuming wine or, or cocktails. And then you would literally list from Monday through the following Monday, everything that you knew of that was going on, whether it be an open house, an industry association event really anything that pertained to the event and hospitality industry. And in a very short period of time, you became notorious. Yes. And I've actually had people, and this is kind of embarrassing slash weird to say, but I was at a SWP event, Society of Wedding Professionals event. And at the time we were supposed to have the networking time, of course, that normally happens before lunch. And then we sat down for lunch and the education normally starts. Well, at the time, Ricardo Tomas was president and he liked everybody to get back up before lunch started and Mm -hmm. meet three new people. 
So I went over and just started meeting the three new people that I had to meet before I could have my lunch. This one lady, she was a caterer, kind of freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) I said, you know, I'm Paige Mejia. I'm with Pyrotex. And she, what? And I was like, (laughs) you know, but she said, you know, I've, I've always wanted to meet you. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it's really you. And it was just from this weekend networking. And so it was kind of funny that I had developed this I guess, mini fandom. I had one. I had one fan. I said Uh, (laughs) you're a local celebrity in the DFW event industry, and I wasn't kidding. People know who you are. And I will say that when you you created this, it was really just a list. Uh, In a sense, people would read it and be like, okay, great. But it has developed now, and I can say from experience and from people I talk to, that it has become sort of the thing to do. And there's a difference there. There's a difference between somebody just listing stuff out, which is the way it started organically. Hey, this is just what's going on. And it became, I want to get on Paige's list. I want to make sure she knows because when people see your list, they're like, these are the things that we should be doing this week. And they would make arrangements to go to those things. And I know that when we talked about this on one of my community Zoom calls, it was really fun because we were able to tie back unique marketing options, unique marketing ideas, things that you can do to remain relevant and to share your brand without it being an overtly obvious marketing effort. And your This Weekend Networking came up because you truly became known for this. It increased your status or your celebrity sort of amongst the event and hospitality industry. I'm sure it takes time, but I'm also sure it's not some Herculean effort that you dread each and every week. So maximum amount of return for a modest amount of effort. Was that something that you would agree with? Correct. The first probably month or so that I was doing it, it took forever because I didn't have it streamlined. I would actually Mm -hmm. go to each individual industry group's website and Mm -hmm. check to see if they had anything coming up that week. Most of them I know, you know, obviously NACE is always the first what Wednesday and MPI is the fourth Thursday and that kind of thing. But I would go to 20 plus websites to try to figure out what events they were having. And it took me an hour or so to put the thing together. Mm -hmm. Well, now I just have, I I always say I'm interested in an event. I put that so that it goes into my Facebook calendar. And then I have a folder in my email that I put all of the emails that I get, um, email invites that I get over into that. And Mm -hmm. that's what it takes me five minutes now. I check one calendar. I check the Facebook folder. Now being virtual, it takes me a little bit longer because I'm putting links and that kind of thing as well. But yeah, it takes me five minutes on a Monday morning while I'm waiting for the kids to brush their teeth to head out the door. I got to tell you, Paige, so a couple things there. Number one, you owe your whole life to Facebook right now (laughs) between getting the job (laughs) with Randy and it streamlining this process. The first thing I want to talk about is how easy it would have been for you to say, well, no more networking. So I guess I'll just have to pick this up later. But you chose to, I'm not going to use the trigger happy P word. Um, <laughs> you know, you didn't pivot, you Whoa. augmented, you adapted, you changed. And you said, okay, well, there are still tons of opportunities for people in our industry to interact, engage, educate, learn, all that stuff. So you created basically this weekend virtual networking. And I just want to compliment you on that because it would have been really easy to be like, well, I guess I'm not going to do this now. Well, and I think there were more opportunities mm-hmm. when we became virtual because I've been adding, I, I've obviously visited NACE 
um, MPI in the Houston area and the, and the Hill Country area as well whenever I go down there for sales trips. And I'm still mm -hmm. on the Houston NACE invite list. So I've been putting those because why not? They're virtual. Sure. Everyone can you know still dial in and use that opportunity as well. And as well as the all of the webinars. Mm -hmm. And I know that we're kind of webinared out at this point, but some of them are really good. And some of them have great content and we can take this time to educate ourselves and maybe learn something new about our business or streamline a process. Mm -hmm. And so why not take advantage of it? And I love the fact that it seems like people are being more creative with what they're creating. They're creating workshops, they're creating opportunities to interact online as well as just webinars. Let's not forget though, Paige, if we, if everybody went to everything on your list, we'd never be home. We'd never be working because there are really so many opportunities and anybody who's out there thinking, oh, I'm totally zoomed out or I'm webinared out. You could very easily say the same thing about networking. I mean, it feels like it's all fun and games and you get to go and have a cocktail and a light bite and chat. But sometimes when you walk in those networking events, you're like, I just want to go home and be in my pajamas. So let's not forget if our listeners can remember there are times when you feel like you're just sort of live networked out too. So take a deep breath embrace it and just and just jump on these webinars because they're so valuable. When I started with Randy, I was actually an hourly employee. And so going to the networking event not only promoted our company, but it gave me more money because mm -hmm. I was an hourly employee. And so I would go to everything. And whenever I first started with the company, he gave me the gold card and said, here, go become a member of everything. So I was a member of probably 10 plus organizations. I was going to two or three things a day and yeah. there was one night when I didn't have something. I had had something literally every night that week and I didn't have something that night and I came home and I went into my bathroom and I changed into my jammy pants and I literally sat in my closet and cried mm. because I was so happy. <laughs> oh, they were happy tears. Okay. In my jammies. It was yeah. so exciting because, and then I, then I realized I'm doing too much. I mean, that was kind of yeah. the night and it also happened to be around the same time that I went salary. So I didn't need those hourly hours, but it, it was kind of a turning point of, I'm just doing too much. I need to focus on what's important to me and where, where my time is best spent. Yeah. And return on investment of time is just as, if not more important than return of investment on money, because time is really our most valuable commodity, our most valuable resource, because you just can't make more of it. Correct. I want to chat with you a little bit about the initiative you put together. Uh, you and I have been on calls almost every single Monday since March, which I love. And I want to thank you for that, for that support, for providing your contribution to the community that we've created in the people first and profit world. You learned about some documents that were being created in other cities and other states. I think it was Colorado and Ohio, maybe. Is that right? Did yes, I? it was actually on your call. Uh, yeah, and we so we we talked about it with Maggie Francisco, who I love dearly. That was great. I'm glad we talked about it. But you were, of course, the one who took the initiative to say, hey, Maggie, if you have copies of those documents, can you send them to me? And then you created from those documents, you leveraged the hard work that those cities and states had put into them, and you created the North Texas Reopening Guide. Tell us more about that. Yes. So when all of this started, I think there was a couple of people who tried to, you know, either make a video of best practices or get a panel together of best practices. But as soon as they tried to edit it, the mandates all changed because mm -hmm. everything was changing week to week. So everybody just kind of gave up. Well, in the meantime, I had been calling governmental officials and trying to answer the questions for these gray area mandates that we were provided. 
-hmm. We didn't have answers. We really needed answers. And I, I got a few answers from some local government officials. The highest I got to was actually a secretary for one of our state senators. And she was trying to reach out to Abbott himself mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, these are the questions that they have. Can we please answer them? It's only like 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. Can we get them answered so that they can actually do their jobs effectively and stay within legalities that are mm -hmm. put forth right now? And the last call that I had with her, which was obviously before they went on break, was basically that we kind of agreed that even if we asked Abbott himself, he mm -hmm. would probably not have the answer, sure. even though the mandates came from him. Yeah. So... I decided at that point, and also, you know, obviously after talking to Mickey and getting all of the information back, that we needed to just make our own answers. We mm -hmm. needed to create something that could go across the industry and give the rules, give the regulations, give the mandates, but also give best practices from all of the different silos of the event. Mm -hmm. And offer something to our clients and offer something to the venues and the planners of this is how we try our darndest to not spread the disease because that was always the biggest concern on starting events back up is how do we do it safely mm -hmm. and so i Truthfully, if I didn't have the document from Ohio, I might not have done it. Sure. It was a great opportunity to cut and paste, but their mandates were so close to ours that I was able to take their information, take our mandates, um, which are on the Open Texas website from Governor Abbott. But I also reached out to at least two event professionals from each sector of the industry, um, makeup artists, DJs photographers, videographers, rental companies, and ask them, what are your best practices that you would want to add to this guide to make it, you know, the safest possible event for mm -hmm. our clients? And so with all of that, I put together, and I think it's about 15 pages now document, and it is rolling. I do need to make some changes now that both Abbott updated a couple of mandates, but also Jenkins put his two cents in and make some changes as far as for the outdoor events. But for the most part, our mandates haven't changed since before 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And even if mandates do change, and even if we are able to open back up completely, I think a lot of the best practices that are listed under the different sectors Mm -hmm. are great for going forward for, you know, not giving people the flu and not having people spread colds and, yeah. you know, not making people get food poisoning or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of these best practices that were put in place for COVID that I really hope stick around. It's very encouraging. So again, I just want to take a moment to compliment you on the initiative. And I know that you had resources that you were able to leverage. You didn't have to write this from scratch. But again, it took someone to say, hey, can I get that document so that I can apply it to the North Texas area? It's really neat that we were able to identify that even though there are people in charge, they don't have all the answers. And you're able to say, we as an industry in the North Texas area are going to do everything that we can do from a position of just common sense and best practice to keep people safe, which I think a lot of people would have been afraid to do or intimidated by because there are no cut and dry answers right now. We just don't have the ability to say it's either a black or white answer and it's this simple. And by creating that document, you've shown due diligence. You've shown that you care. Uh, you've shown that you want to provide these resources to the people that you are the closest with in the industry in service to a client. And I can say that I'm not surprised 
because I think that the North Texas area is one of the most close-knit, kindest, community-driven groups of the events and hospitality industry. And with you as as a sort of front runner and leader, I, I think nothing but good can come from that. And I agree with you 100%. It needs to go on into perpetuity because I don't think being more clean, more prepared is ever a bad thing, you know? Right. And I'm sure there's I'm sure there's additional costs that are involved that have to be, you know, discussed and people have to evaluate going forward. But I think for the foreseeable future, it's well worth the investment of time and money to keeping people safe. Well, and I'm not sure what reach this has gotten to at this point, but I know I had actually talked after I created it to people from the Events Industry Council and from Meaning Professionals International, the global division, and MPI actually sent it out to all of their leaders internationally in one of their monthly newsletters that they send to all of their board members. So I'm hoping that you know, it, it helps some other people to understand that they can have events safely as well. I mean, we're lucky here in the DFW area that we are more open than others. I mean, I've talked to people from New York and California and I mean, Ohio, you know, different states that they're like, wait, you, you can have a wedding. Wait, mm-hmm. you can have 10 people. Wait, <laughs> you sure. can get it together with your family. And it's just crazy that some, some of the other states are still you know, you can't even go inside a restaurant. You have to eat on the patio. You can't go inside a hair salon. You have to get your hair cut outside on the sidewalk. And mm-hmm. it's just, we do have it good, although mm-hmm. we we would like it to be a little bit better. But yeah. <laughs> in, in due time, I'm sure. Yes. So we are thankful of what is able to happen right now. And hopefully with us staying safe and with the vendors following these guidelines and hopefully their clients following the guidelines that they can keep it safe and keep the keep the everything open. Well, I tell you with you doing this first and North Texas being in a position to do some of these smaller events first, all that does is provide hope for the other states and cities and then then they can hopefully leverage the information that you've used to open their cities slowly and safely. So I talked to an AV company the other day and he mentioned something that was very poignant. And I actually talked to a a DJ networking group and told them the same thing. It's that if we don't regulate ourselves Mm -hmm. and we don't regulate each other, someone else is going to regulate us for us. Mm. And that could be the government, that could be code enforcement. We don't want that. Anything that is going to happen regulatory wise is probably not going to be great for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for us, for our industry. So we just need to take accountability for ourselves, but also take accountability for our competitors Mm -hmm. and ensure that everyone is doing things safely and is following the rules and regulations. Those rules are in place for a reason. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's because someone got hurt or someone unfortunately passed away because of an incident or an accident that occurred. Mm-hmm. Just like contracts. I mean, you obviously create your contract from a lawyer, but then you add as things pop up. It's really important. I mean, if we don't follow rules, follow regulations, venues get injured, people mm-hmm. get injured. I mean, in my business, of course, but sure. in other businesses as well, you know, you don't know if a client's going to have an allergic reaction or sure. if they're going to get food poisoning or if they're going to trip over the cord that you put in the middle of the floor. Right. So these are just things that we need to watch for ourselves really just to make sure that our our company is safe. I mean, you don't you have insurance for a reason, but you don't want to use it. 
yeah, it's out there, but you don't want to use it. And I love the fact that you talked about sort of the initiative of if we do everything that we can do to show that we are operating as a community. And that's another thing about the North Texas area. I find that people are largely more about community and cooperation than they are about competition. So that makes it that much easier for us to say, this is a list of all the things that we're doing. These are all in the ways which we're following mandates, but still trying to operate and serve our clients. It provides an opportunity for people to look at you and say, they've got themselves. We don't have to worry about them. They're, they're doing the things. And so thank you for leading the charge on that. I, I'm willing to answer questions. I'm happy to answer questions. I'm you know willing to share the knowledge that we have because we spent 42 years getting it. So might as well, you know, share it to others to make sure that we can stay safe. I mean, we've had incidences in the past where venues have gotten damaged by other firework companies or people that have just brought in, you know, firework stand type fireworks. And those venues or hotel chains in general have stopped allowing pyro. And what does that do to my business? You know, so I would rather tell someone how to do it safely and have Mm -hmm. them take the business than to have the entire hotel brand shut us down completely and me never be able to go back in there again. There's a couple rotten apples that always ruin it for the rest of the barrel, aren't there? Right. (laughs) Especially when they have access to a lighter. I'm telling you, blowing stuff up isn't for the weak of heart or not strong in mind. Well, that's a great segue because one of my next question is, where can people find you if they want to reach out? So if they want to find me, I am at pyrotex.com is our website. My email address is page at pyrotex.com. And we are on, I think, every social media. I even got a TikTok account, even though I'm old. I haven't (laughs) never too old to try something new. I TikToked once. But yeah, so we are on every social media as Pyrotex US because there was a Pyrotex UK that actually the regular Pyrotex first. But but yeah, so we're under Pyrotex US on everything. And like I said, reach out to me if you have any questions about pyro or networking or things that are coming up. I have venues that actually reach out to me a few months in advance of their open house to see if there's anything else that would conflict with their open house dates that they're planning. I will normally know at least a month out if something's coming up. So definitely reach out to me for that as well. Your wealth of knowledge page, and I'm confident based on our earlier conversation that if they want to find you directly, not just through the Pyrotex brand, they can find you on Facebook. They can. <laughs> Facebook junkie. I don't know if that makes me like super old because I, I will Instagram. I just don't like it. I have to say that I'm on most of the social media channels, but I have some of my favorites and I find that I do different things on different platforms, but the bringing on of new social media, I'm very reluctant to do it at this point as well. And so uh, you and I can, you and I can learn from the kids, Uh, my nephews and your children can teach us how to try to go with the flow and and adapt and, and bring on more social media. Yes, definitely. So we wrap up every episode with a lightning round. Okay. Are you ready? I am. Pepsi or Coke? Oh, Coke. No Pepsi at all, ever. Okay. Uh, Rom-com or horror flick? Horror flick. Especially if it has to do with the FBI, because you know that was my dream. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, that's new. I'm very big into real crime. Okay. So horror flick, like action horror. Yeah. Psychology. My husband and I actually, when Blockbuster was still a thing, we went to (laughs) Blockbuster because we had actually watched Dahmer in the theater. Yeah. I was okay. at, playing at Magnolia, I think, at the time. And so we went and we got 
I think another video on Dahmer and we got one on John Wayne Gacy and some other serial killer. And the blockbuster guy just kind of looks at them and looks up at us and was like, are y'all doing research? <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank goodness we can stream from the privacy of our own homes and, and avoid those yeah. judgmental looks, right? Yeah. Okay. So next rock or country? Country at heart. Country at heart. Okay. And then the last one, which I know is a total trick question for you, cats or dogs? <laughs> I have one more cat than I do dogs. Probably cats just because they're easier. Yeah. Less, little less responsibility. You can leave them alone for a few days and they won't need you. Yeah. But I must say Pebbles, who is sleeping on the floor over here because I took her bed ramp away. She's my spirit animal. She's my oh. little chihuahua terrier mix. And yeah, she's my spirit animal. For those of you that are listening and that don't know Paige quite as well as I do, she has an urban farm that she has a number of pets and rescues to include dogs, cats, ferrets, birds, the whole nine. Yes. Yeah. And hedgehog. A hedgehog. And a hedgehog. Oh, two ferrets. Well, we don't have a bird yet. My, my son actually wants a bird. But yeah, we have a hedgehog, two ferrets, four cats, and three dogs. And a no vacancy sign. Yes. So my daughter periodically will bring in snakes because she likes her little garter snakes. Wow. And my son does really want a bird. Don't ever get a guinea pig. They smell really Yes, bad. they do. Yes, they do. And my daughter wants all manner of pet. And we have two dogs at the moment and a no vacancy sign. And that's it until she gets a little <laughs> older and help, can help take care of them herself. Paige, you are a beacon of light. You're a wealth of knowledge. I consider myself so fortunate to know you and to be in the industry with you. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? You know, like I said, reach out to me if you have any questions. So hopefully we'll get some more in-person things coming up and we can stop Zooming and webinaring. Or, or Zooming and webinaring less. Yes. A nice, yes. a nice hybrid of the two. It's been a privilege. I mean, I did a webinar for MPI chapter for weekly since April, and mm -hmm. we just stopped about two weeks ago. And it was a privilege to meet these speakers and give them the opportunity to, you know, reach out to the industry and share what they wanted to share. It was, it was really interesting to hear some of the, some of the new speakers that we haven't had a chance to listen to that we can just bring in because it's virtual. I think that's one of the benefits that came out of all this is the lack of regional requirement sort of mm -hmm. to get your message out and to learn from people outside of our marketplace. So thank you so much for all that you do to make sure that people are learning and growing and meeting one another. It, it's an honor to have you as not only a member of, but a leader in the People First and Profit Revolution. Thank you. And thank you for having that every week. For those who have not called in or seen it on Facebook or watched Facebook Live, please do. Please call in and share. I think it's been helpful for me. I mean, even this week, I was not feeling it at all because <laughs> I was not feeling well after my shows this weekend and being in the grass and the allergies. And it's helpful mentally. I think it it's another Zoom meeting, yes, but it's more hanging out with friends. And I think for those of us who really do miss being in person, it's been a great surrogate for that. I, I think it's so much more than a Zoom meeting, but I'm biased because it's my, it's my jam and I'm the host. But you have been a great contributor to that. So thank you, Paige, for all that you do. And now we're going to let Adam Wilmore take us out of here. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the People First in Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.